welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I am Ed Greer, and today I am joined by uh, a fellow commute killer, a producer, a writer, a bon vivant. He is a speaker. He is a curmudgeon. He is lovable. He's affable. It is my main man, Billy Business. You know what? Everyone else is afraid to say it, but I'm not. I'm a rebooter also, okay? I'm not letting it die. It's not dead. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no. I I did neglect to mention that he is one-fourth of Rebooted, the best rebooting show in sports entertainment. So if you want to go to YouTube and watch Rebooted, it is Reboot It. It is our show. It is on hiatus. Uh, because uh, we got to get the band back together. We 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 split like the Avengers, <laughs> not quite as acrimoniously, <laughs> but you know we went our separate ways after our adventure, and we got to reel everybody back on in to get to get a, a new uh, a season up. But uh, yeah, damn, that was a great show. I hope it could come back at some point. But the episodes that exist are still there, so avail yourselves of them, crowd. Go check out Reboot It on YouTube. Me, producer Bill, Billy Business, and Ronnie Swallow. Uh, rebooting everything from Twilight to Star Wars and everything in between, man. Not to derail us too far, but since we've done the last episode to today, like three of our pitches have miraculously, in quotes, <laughs> been like announced or like there was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic mm-hmm. book or whatever announces like that that was our pitch. Like mm-hmm. uh, either we great minds think alike or uh they don't want uh, they don't want you guys to watch that reboot it because they're going to sell it to you like two years later. So, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, uh, we we a lot of times uh, as we dismount from this topic, but we we went the direction that it made sense to go, and we made artistic decisions that made sense. Like when I fucking called that uh, the dude who directed uh, Godzilla and stuff should direct Face Off, <laughs> and it turned out that he was in direct talks to redo Face Off. I was like, oh my god. It's like sometimes it's like you're seeing how things actually should be, you know. Uh, so that not that's as the they are uh, <laughs> not as they are because as we have seen the in the entertainment landscape, sometimes there are just some big swings and misses. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, speaking of which, I think it's a good uh, time to talk about what we came here to talk about. Uh, you clicked on the podcast. You know that we're going to be talking about – it's going to be – I think I might call it rooting for DC because and I kind of came up with this idea because I was thinking, are there certain properties that you root for like a sports team? Like for me, I root for Moon Knight like a sports team as far as individual properties. I root for Moon Knight like a sports team. I root for Spider-Man like a sports team. If his movies were made by goddamn Universal, I'd st- I'd be down with it. You know, he'd be he'd be having multiverse adventures with fucking uh, uh, Marty McFly Marty or McFly. something. <laughs> 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 like Which, one of them. <laughs> I've seen the by the way the dream cast of like if Spider Man was made in the eighties it's like yeah Michael J Fox I don't know who else would have played Spider Man right he right absolutely play him now but I digress no uh, so basically rooting for DC we have had uh, I just want to briefly chart the history of DC in major media we're gonna start with Superman one Superman one made the super superhero movie exist. And for a very long time, for a lot of people still, it's the greatest of the superhero movies. So to have DCB now almost trying to reclaim 
us they're part of the marketplace because Disney has come through like a tyrannosaur and and and, and torn up everything. Uh, as a person who's always like Batman, uh, how are you perceiving that? And you also work in the media. Yeah, it's the thing is, you know, I, I was thinking like when I was a kid, you know, on Fox, Fox Kids, you watched X-Men and Spider-Man and Batman. And I don't know, maybe it was just where I grew up or, or who I grew up with. But like there was never a DC Marvel war. You just mm-hmm. watched X-Men at four and then at 430, it was Batman. You know, like you mm-hmm. just kind of went through it and, and you liked everything. Um, so like. I don't really have like a dog in the fight of DC versus Marvel. I, I the the problem with DC uh is that now when you go to a Marvel movie, you walk in and you already love it. They have 2 hours to talk you out of loving that movie. With <laughs> DC, you walk into that movie and I say the general you, the general population and you already have a laundry list of things you hate and they have 2 hours to convince you that it doesn't completely suck. And I think that that like, I guess like, because first of all, first and foremost, I was more of a DC reader. It wasn't like a rivalry. I just happened to like a lot of the DC stuff. So I never want to see DC fail. I'm rooting for them. I didn't think they would ever be underdogs, but that's exactly what they are now. Like you go into a DC movie and you've already got your like, I don't know. Whereas you go into a Mar- Marvel can swing and miss and shit the bed and you still are counting down the milliseconds to the next one. Whereas DC does like, it's just a fact they don't have that luxury. Well, it's, it seems like I liken it to like, uh, as a comedian, there are crowds who are just like, you come out and you're just like, Hey everybody, look at that thing. And they're like, ha ha ha. And then you kind of say another thing and they're like, ha ha ha. And their ha ha ha's are lasting the entire time between you saying stuff because they are primed and ready and they're ready to get on a wave. And once they're on board with you, they're going with you. And there are other crowds where it's like, you tell a great ass joke and they laugh really hard. And then they clam up and wait for the next one. Like prove it again, buddy. Prove it again. (laughs) Do it again. (laughs) You're only as good as your last one, you piece of shit. And that's how I feel like the American populace, like you said, have turned towards DC movies. We're just do it again. Do it again. Uh, uh, Aquaman comes out, makes a billion dollars. Do it again. Do it again. And even that, it's like, well, they got lucky once. It's like, <laughs> I, you didn't get lucky with a billion dollars. You right. did something that perhaps it's the, uh, you know, the unvocal my, uh, or majority liked. But it's just like, I was just thinking this, like, look, if I was a working filmmaker today, I personally would much rather go to DC because even though their strategy is throw shit at the wall and see what sticks, isn't that kind of what art is anyway? Like I would much Mm -hmm. rather go make whatever the hell movie I wanted to make with, you know, rubber band man or whoever, like who Mm -hmm. cares who it is as Mm -hmm. opposed to like, I will be making the next Marvel movie because there's so much expectation of what that movie already is. Whereas DC, they'll put out Shazam and Joker in the same calendar year. There is clearly no strategy. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, that Mm -hmm. is like, that's kind of cool to me. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny how it's like, uh, like they're, they're counter programming themselves. Like, right. you know I mean? yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, that's just kind of an interesting way to go. And and like you said, dude, if I was working, yeah, I'd be like, if they told me that I had carte blanche to do a Vixen live action thing, and I was going to get like a, a big time black actress, 
was already signed on and she's going to be the Gal Gadot of Vixen and I can just do what the fuck ever I want. I have the from from Black Panther to goddamn Metropolis, which, <laughs> which whatever I want to do. Uh, Metropolis meaning the uh, uh, old German movie with the robots in the future. That type, not not Metropolis. I understand it'd be confusing given what we're talking about. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's something. Know your audience. You know, know your audience. Yeah, okay, fuck it. it. It could be 2001, or it could be Black Panther. But the character's vixen, and it's in your hands. I would love to be in that position. That would be a great position to be in, rather than, hey man, so we got four movies set up based off your movie, so your movie has to hit these four marks. Go write a script based on these four marks that it has to hit that we've already predetermined. What's more fun? Which one of those is more fun? I guess it depends on your personality type. You know the other thing that's bonkers? And I will be 100% transparent uh, in the age of COVID. I have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home. I've seen the whole movie in GIF form on Twitter. And I've not actually <laughs> <laughs> because you people have zero self-control, but I was, myself included for watching it all. Um, but I think it's crazy too that Marvel has gotten to the point where even old failures that it is inherited, not even made itself inherited, mm-hmm. are celebrated. Like, I'm sorry. If it was 2016, we would not be talking about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man the way that we are talking about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man in the year of our Lord 2022. So, like, it is it is insane to me that Marvel now, like, uh, in my opinion, my opinion, <laughs> asterisk, like, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is on the exact same level as, like, Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern and should mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern show up in the middle of a DC movie I just don't think people would be like yes Green Lantern 2 the hashtag like it's not <laughs> happening it's so bizarre to me to see like and that's not a knock on Andrew Garfield I think he's a fine actor but I just think it's so bizarre that we're now just like we are so entrenched in Marvel that it's like even old failures are now like new wins and again (laughs) not turning this into dc versus marvel but it's just like it's bonkers to me that like dc is so far behind that and i don't want it to be but i don't think that they could do that right now at least you know huh i i think i think it's uh i think i think both companies are are trying to definitely weaponize our nostalgia even more so than than they already are. You know what I mean? I, by, what, right. by that, I mean, it seems like, I mean, there are people who are wistful for the prequels now because enough time have gone past, has, has gone past, and people saw those when their heads were still soft, frankly. There are kids who were like, what? We're, t- we're, ta- we're talking about, we're talking about they were five then, they're 10, 12 now. That's a hell of a difference. Are they're twelve now? They're eighteen now. They're they're twelve then. They're eighteen now. Who no, saw ninety nine to two thousand two? So they they they're like twenty years older. Well, yeah, I mean, now, the, from the original know? one, I'm talking about from right. the even from the Garfield ones. We're talking about nostalgia. When was the last Garfield one? Like twenty fourteen or something? Not even that. Not yeah. the, the last no, Garfield no, it was, one. It was twenty fourteen. Amazing Spider Man yeah. two was twenty fourteen. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like twenty sixteen. We are not having these like bring mm-hmm. Garfield back for three discussions. So, oh no, no, not at you all. Know, I, I just, I just feel like, 
I don't know. We've given Marvel such leeway. And again, I'm not saying like, this is not a crap on Marvel. Like I like those movies. I watch them as I can and enjoy them. I just think like DC, you know, they're, they're Marvel. When Marvel came out with this MCU and it was this connected storyline and all this other stuff, I feel like the cart got a little before the horse because people were like, Mm. well, this is how it is in the comics. Everything directly relates to each other. And when a new Marvel movie comes out, uh, go look at my Twitter feed. All I said was I really enjoyed Eternals and I didn't, uh, I liked that it didn't feel like it had to bend over backwards for every Marvel thing. And people just were, some people were very upset because it's like, well, it didn't connect to this part of Marvel and this part of Marvel. And I almost Mm -hmm. want to be like, I don't want to gatekeep, but I do want to say like, well, as someone who for a very long time was like a weekly comic book reader, even the stuff that's like in the same Marvel or same DC universe, it contradicts each other a lot more than those Marvel movies do. Like mm. almost no Marvel comic books play as nice as the MCU. I kind of feel like DC, the way that they're running, especially, you know, with like Peacemaker coming out in the Suicide Squad, where it's like, sure, I guess you could squint and it kind of fits in with Zack Snyder's Batman if you want it to, or it doesn't if you don't want it to. I kind of feel like that's how comic books really are. Like there's Mm. stuff that happens in Spider-Man or Avengers. That's like, sure, that kind of takes place at the same time with the same characters, but also kind of not, you know? Or it's the dual-sided nature of this business. You got to keep it the same, but make it seem like there's change. You gotta, you gotta have it be connected, but have the characters be able to go off in their own directions if you need them to. Uh, so that's kind of been a, a, a so-called struggle from the beginning. Or as most comic book readers, like you said, most comic book readers just deal with it, like the fact that they're just now catching up to. We can have a this universe version of this guy and a that universe version of that guy, and people won't get them mixed up because they're just too different. And we announced that they're from different universes. Dude, uh, people are finally up on that. But like DC has been up on that forever. And they're doing it like as part of their major strategy is just like, yeah, man, we might do the Blue Beetle of Earth 57 and do the Shazam of Earth 22 and do Batman's from 57 different universes. <laughs> you know, we, we will whip anything out. Oh, and a Joker from a whole nother universe. We'll just whip yeah. all the weird shit out on you, man. We're weird. I love they, that. About they, them. they were doing that a couple of years ago. I mean, as oh, yeah. I want to joke about it on the flash, you know, and all the CW shows mm-hmm. uh, years back, like 2017 or 2018, whatever it was, they had already set up like Ezra Miller's flash was face to face with the flash uh, mm-hmm. from the TV show. And now it's like, yeah, like you said, it's like commonly accepted, but it's like, yeah, I feel like DC, you know, I'm looking right now at a at a Batman action figure on my wall that's just off camera, and it's the the branding on this is DC Comics Multiverse. So it's mm-hmm. not like this idea of the multiverse is new. Like DC's been doing it for a long time. So I kind of I almost I don't resent because I don't care that much, but it does kind of suck for for the new Flash movie coming out that they're you know after Spider Man No Way Home they're just like a little late to the game, even though you know they were they were already there you know yeah i i think uh them becoming the people who you can go to for uh these weird takes on stuff and you and there's all these they they have chosen very deliberately to do their characters at all these different levels 
Like, okay, if you have $52 an episode, what kind of show would you do with these characters? This type of show. All right, if you had a billion dollars and you had to make a movie, what would you do with this guy? Aquaman! And so on and so forth. They, like, have decided to just... And Marvel, it seems like... I was talking to one of my friends about how Marvel... Even with Marvel's disparate, uh, their diaspora, uh, to borrow a highfalutin word for this low, this low art, their diaspora of shit that they're doing is getting mixed up, like you were saying, in regards to, like, is the Kingpin from a Disney Plus show the same as a Kingpin from a Netflix show? Not really. Not, you know, not in terms of what he can do, you know, and, uh, it, it becomes like, deep. Disney being the bosses of that universe, there's only so far anybody will ever go in any one of those products. That's just a fact of life. In DC, Warner Brothers do any damn thing. Warner Brothers would probably do identity crisis where like guy assaults a lady and then murders her and then Batman and the Justice League have to have to resolve it. And it's like a high-level superhero murder. It's called Identity Crisis, written by like a crime author. This guy writes ben about- Ben reprises his Gone Girl character yeah. as Batman, you know? Dude, exactly. DC will <laughs> Gone Batgirl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so you, you mentioned the Kingpin for Marvel. And again, I, I wasn't trying to make this Marvel DC. I'm still not. But I do think that, you know, like if we are doing the Pepsi challenge against Marvel and DC, I think one thing that does kind of hurt my my personal enjoyment of Marvel and, and I catch myself doing this and I don't want to. But it's just like, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, if I'm watching if I'm watching this, my mind isn't always thinking about what the story is telling me, what emotion is trying to get out of me, because in my head, I'm trying to put puzzle pieces together in terms of like, okay, so if Loki is here and this timeline's here, that means on on the prime timeline, Avengers Endgame is here, but then this character, as opposed to just like letting the story talk to me, which is why I think I loved Eternal so much, because they hmm. were just like, yeah, whatever. Whereas like I feel like DC almost <laughs> they almost take their handicap of trying to build the multiverse it just didn't really work out very well for them it, but it allows me to invest in each story specifically because i know like well this probably doesn't tie into anything because they're not organized to, enough to do that but like something like you know <laughs> shazam was one that i really enjoyed where sure there were some nods to other stuff but it wasn't like i was i was waiting for pieces of a bigger puzzle I was just focused on that one story. And as long as DC is kind of like not really adhering to any sort of like true continuity, like I don't feel like you're going to be distracted because I feel like we've all to a certain extent, and I'm a Star Wars guy, I get distracted by lore like nobody's business. And I feel like <laughs> DC is just not quite there and it works to their advantage in some ways. I think it's funny how like of of the two companies they've they've both rebooted a billion times. People say one has done more than the other. It's not necessarily true. Marvel's rebooted a billion times, but DC has done like the reboot, reboot. Like Marvel started their computer over again. Disney has pulled the motherfucker out the wall, thrown it against something, got their files from another computer, loaded them back on as like sh a shadow cache of files, made a new computer. They've done that type of reboot. And I think that's the thing that's that DC fans are prepared for that Marvel fans aren't. 
Like if Mar- like if tomorrow they decided that Tom Holland like fucking doesn't want to do Spider-Man anymore and they decided to throw another cat in there, Marvel fans would flip their shit. You see how they're doing with with Chadwick besides all the other stuff. Right. It's like they can't see it recast that quick whereas DC fans is like shit, kill that Batman, give me another Batman. Fuck Pattinson, give me another one. Well, you know, people like, are ready. Let's have three Superman going at one time, which is yeah. where we were. I think it's like if you know we have the Batman coming out in March, and we're all just like, "Cool, neat." It's a Batman movie. There's a Commissioner Gordon. Checks all the boxes. If you were to do an Iron Man movie, I don't think it would be as simple as mm-hmm. just putting out a new Iron Man movie. You would then the way that they've structured it, you'd have mm-hmm. to have an episode of Loki or something that (laughs) that converges a timeline that gives you a variant of Tony to, so you can justify in your head why you're watching a new one. Whereas DC is not preoccupied with that at all. It's like, do you Mm -hmm. want this Batman movie or not? Like, I'm going to give it to you. You can either take it or leave it, which look, I don't, I don't love, this is not me saying I love every DC movie. I don't, but at least I appreciate that. It's just like, I can be in the mood for something silly like Aquaman. I can be in the mood for something a little heavier like Joker, or I can be in the mood for whatever, you know, like it just feels like there's a little bit more variety in DC Mm -hmm. that I feel like it, I just feel like it gets graded on this curve that is just like impossible. I I don't know. Like a lot of DCs like, like fails i kind of like is it really though like is it really that bad or is it just because it's a dc movie that you've deemed it worse than it actually probably is you know well i think okay for well there's two things to that and speaking in a sports metaphor way i think people are always two three years behind their assessment of a sports team like people being like well cleveland sucks well like cleveland probably made the playoffs the year that you said cleveland sucks because you haven't thought about cleveland as a football team in 15 fucking years so you don't know what the fuck you're talking about so shut the fuck up you know what i mean i think people are like that with dc movies and just like sports i don't give a fuck what the dallas cowboys are doing because dallas cowboy fans suck ass and i say that as a lakers fan Lakers fans suck ass too. <laughs> I have no fellow Laker fans I could talk to because they suck ass and half of them don't watch the game. Half of them can go to the game and they look at their phones instead of the fucking game. So I can't talk to nobody about my goddamn Lakers, <laughs> my actual love of them because the other fans suck ass. So I'm just saying there's some suck ass DC fans out there, man, who have made intellectual congress about the movies. Not even on a fail pass basics, just as a basic cultural commentary on the movies. They've made it almost impossible from this weird, lusty. It's the dark side of letting uh, uh, a filmmaker with a super following do whatever they want to to your products. I mean, I'll you know? call it out for for what it is, which I think is very bizarre. Which is, I remember there was a lot of anti Zack Snyder rhetoric around. 300 and uh, you know i know that one was like a very popular like any college dorm room had the 300 poster on it mm-hmm. and um sucker punch and then it seemed like overnight you know things kind of changed with with the dc thing and i i think unfortunately i think unfortunately Zack snyder fans are now labeled as zealots when you know, that's just kind of a blanket statement. So like, you can't even Mm -hmm. like, I really like man of steel, but if I say like, Oh, I love man of steel, I get lumped into this, like, 
like almost like QAnon Trumper version of a DC fan, <laughs> which like I I, I that's I, I know we laugh, but it's like I kind of feel like that's what's hurting DC too. Is like, oh no, that's why I brought it's, it up. It's the, yeah, it's the terrible the terrible vocal minority that uh, of DC fans, like you said, that like make it like almost embarrassing to admit that you mm-hmm. like this stuff when really it's. It's just like, yeah, I like Man of Steel. I don't like Batman v Superman. I am ambivalent at best about the Snyder cut of Justice League. Like, I does that make me a Snyder zealot or like anti-Snyder or does it even matter? Like, does my opinion on – I have no opinion on Zack Snyder the man. I don't know the guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and that's another thing. I, I think like there is this – I think you might be – I think we might be part of a separate tribe altogether that looks at the actual work instead of around the shit because empirically out of all that shit we just talked about, Man of Steel is the best product out of all of those things you just said, the things that he directed for DC. Man of Steel is the best of those products, period. And if you're if you're mad that uh, you know uh, he breaks uh, Zod's neck or something – you're going to be mad about that. Me personally, the very first time I saw it, I kind of got wrapped up in it being the first time that I'd seen Superman be actually super since maybe the first time I'd ever seen Superman. Like that whole how he took off and fucked the ground up sometimes and shit, you know what I mean? Like, and he, and like little baby rocks would lift up because of the gravitational shit that he's doing to fly. You know, like he around his feet, like little dust, the little shit would start to rise a little bit right before he would fly. And in almost anticipation of this angelic act, get the fuck out of here. That's awesome. Ooh, I get the feelies thinking about it right now. <laughs> it's super sick. And him just bust through mountains and that, that whole, uh, that whole sequence where he's discovering that he can really fly, fly. Oh, and it's that, great. Yeah. And oh, it's so sick. Sonic booms and shit. Come on, man. He's rupturing clouds. You know, that's that whole just, great. Oh. The score is like the at the very end, you know, when it goes into the credits, like I get chill. I, I still have that like on my workout playlist uh, because I think it's like, well, I may be fat now, but if I listen to the song and run, <laughs> you know, um, no, I look in any yeah. Man of Steel, which I loved. I loved it when I saw it and I saw it like five times in the theaters. There were still parts of Man of Steel. I was like, don't like that. But, you know, like as a whole, I was like, I think it it hits the core of what I wanted. But, you know, it's this all or nothing kind of thing. And Marvel gets that, too. I think Marvel gets this thing where it's just like, you know, if you don't like an aspect uh, of a movie, it's just like, well, why are you such a, oh, I guess you're fun at parties. It's like, okay, well, I liked the movie. I didn't like that part or that aspect. But sure, we've just lost all nuance. But it seems like DC is just like. I'm afraid sometimes to like, you know, if I watch a new DC thing, I'm afraid to even like tweet about it because I don't I've like I'll either get ripped apart for not liking it or I will get ripped apart for saying I did like it. Like I feel like DC there's just no safe space to talk about them. Well, I mean, I and I think uh DC uh I think as I said it earlier, a good thing about DC and a bad thing about DC is DC can go places uh, physically with their characters, uh, uh, stakes wise with their characters in a way that Marvel can't approximate. Like, obviously, Batman's not going to die on a rooftop beaten to death with a crowbar anytime soon in a, in a DC movie. But up to that, 
yeah, they'll do that. They'll have Robin get beat up. They'll have uh, Barbara get shot. They'll have bad shit happen that you won't really see in, in Marvel Fair. And they'll have storylines uh, made up of uh, certain types of crimes that you don't really see in Marvel stuff. So they, But that doesn't make it mature. It, the, the quality of the story makes it mature. So I think they're in this really good space to where if they kind of go the places Marvel can't go, and they also make it mature as in an intelligent story, not just gory and messed up. I think they'll have a really great way to capture those people who are just like Hawkeye shooting a bunch of people with bloodless arrows. You know, there's a lot of people who are kind of dissatisfied with that on some level. Maybe I reveal myself to be one of those. There's a couple <laughs> there's a couple people who are dissatisfied with this sort of Disney action. And they want to see Batman destroy somebody's jaw to where they, they'll never talk again or whatever. Or they twist some guy up in a pretzel. They want to see a graduated seven with Batman, which it seems to be what the what the Batman is, even as a PG-13 product. Yeah, I mean, I think with Batman specifically, I think, you know, the way that we treat Batman is very, or the way that he's depicted on screen is very cyclical. Um, mm-hmm. I think... I think we we decide what Batman is, we push it to its limit, and then eventually we grow tired and kind of reboot it again to mm-hmm. a different point. I personally was kind of hoping by the time we got to this new one coming out uh, that maybe we would, you know, pump the brakes a little bit with trying to make it so dark and so gritty. Um but we're not there yet. We'll get back there. I think for me the <laughs> sweet spot of of Batman uh you know, I have such hardcore love for for those Keaton movies and and the the that mm-hmm. first four. But I I actually think the sweet spot of like a little bit of of gritty and seriousness, but also retaining some of the goofiness of just what comic books are, was Batman Begins. I was like, mm-hmm. this is great. Like we haven't fully gone away from like some of the ridiculousness of like. <laughs> you know, like the the gas coming out and the water vapor, all these weird comic book like foils and plots, but mm-hmm. also like, oh, cool. Like they're taking Batman seriously, but it's not too far gone because I think the darker and and more serious you make Batman kind of the dumber the concept gets to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I kind of hope that eventually we come back around, but it's just like, yeah, at least on a long enough timeline, I can, on any given night, as soon as we end this podcast, I could go choose what flavor of Batman movie I want to go watch. Because mm-hmm. I have everything from the 66 movie all the way up to Batman v Superman. And I can choose. Whereas, you know, not even Marvel, but even like Star Wars, it's taken 50 years, 40 years to get to a point where it's just like, oh, there's, you can have like the Mandalorian, you can have this, you can have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marvel's not quite there yet by their own choice. I think Marvel is very much like, this is what it is. And that's why we have continued success. They're not mm-hmm. wrong. I just like a little bit of variety, you know? Yeah. And, and to be fair, to be fair, they have, uh, they have a variety within what they do. It's just, you can see where the bumpers are. It's like, you know, like in, in a, in a, and when you bowl with little kids and they fill the gutters up with those inflatable things. So the ball just bounces back and forth. That's what DC. I mean, D- Disney's put those on there. DC 
they're willing to throw a gutter ball and they definitely have thrown some. Oh, you they've know? thrown some. <laughs> I, I will say like I've I've made no secret about how much I dislike that first Ant-Man movie. And I think part of it was like people like, oh, it's a heist movie, but it's a superhero heist movie. I'm like, my man. You can't have a two-minute sequence where someone breaks into a building and call that a heist movie. It's not. It's not a heist movie. It's not. And I agree with you. I think that DC sometimes is like, I'm going to get my taxi driver movie, and it's just going to be what it is. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. oof, like, woof, what happened? But I have gotten to the point where I'm just kind of so tired of a lot of like homogenous content that my heart goes out to the to the big swings. You know, I would rather watch a big Zack Snyder swing that I think personally is a miss than just like an Ant Man. I just <laughs> Ant Man is like my <laughs> Ant Man is like my bar for like nope, uh, nope, can't I don't don't like that. <laughs> Damn, man. Like, it's not bad enough to hate watch it, and it's not good enough to rewatch it. So, (laughs) I mean, I I haven't watched Ant Man again since it came out, but I didn't think of it as one of those movies until you pointed it out. Thanks a lot, jerk. It's it's a heist movie. I'm like, no, my friend, Ocean's Eleven is a heist movie. (laughs) Heat is a heist movie. Do a bunch of heat with Michael Pena in there. It's like, yeah, we pay, we paid the we paid the computer guy for the plans, and then we went, <laughs> dude. Uh, but uh, I, I really feel like though. Okay, so let's talk about the prognostication and for some of the DC products that are coming up because it's called yeah. rooting for DC. So it's not about what they did in the past; it's about what's coming up. So like yeah. Black Adam, uh, Snap Judgment, Black Adam. From what you've seen, which is frankly nothing, but you have seen casting probably uh, yeah. and all this jazz. Gut, gut reaction as to what you think that might be. Well, first of all, I do want to say, because we are looking at the future of DC, I think more than any Disney investor day, more than any uh, presentation Marvel or Disney or anyone's ever done, DC with Fandome did you know, at least the first one that they did in 2020. Mm-hmm. They set the bar for how you do, uh, uh, not even like a convention, but just like for getting hype around your product, not even in the time of COVID. Like I think they should do fandom even in lieu of going to Comic-Con once that's a thing. Like they Mm -hmm. made me so excited for every single project they put out. Mm -hmm. So with, with black Adam, I mean, that that's one where it's just like, I think initially you're like the rock is black. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll probably see it. But then once they showed some of the like the concept artwork and we're really getting back to like this really like these deep characters with like Dr. Fate and, you know, great casting with Pierce Brosnan. Like, I think this one has the potential not only to be like a, just a crowd pleaser, but it's just like I also just the more I hear him talk about it, the more I'm just like, man, The Rock, like this isn't just like skyscraper for him where or <laughs> Jungle Cruise. Like I'm, I'm going like, to cast that check like. He's like living and breathing this Black Adam thing, and his 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 enthusiasm is starting to kind of like be infectious, you know. Well, and I really, uh, I, you know, I, I love the casting on uh, Hawk Hawkman. They got Aldous Hodge to be basically Hawkman, and right. and uh, so Hawkman and The Rock 
and they're going to be like probably reincarnations of dudes who have been fighting since the ancient days of Kandak. And Kandak is a city near like Egypt and the Valley of whatever the hell, the blah, blah, blah. So it's like the, the, this whole conflict that could be happening in ancient Egypt land cast correctly with different, you know, these different people that we've seen before and the roles. And then like coming up to the future and having Dr. Fate be the, the Sorcerer Supreme dealing with all of that shit, you know, uh, this incursion of this ancient magical evil who's not necessarily evil, maybe he's an anti-hero, that level of, like, character shit, you know, that Black Adam possesses, because he's not, a, he's a bad guy from a certain point of view. You know what mm. I mean? Yes. <laughs> um, no, and I think, you know, like, uh, I know how much uh, uh, The Rock says that he wants Black Adam to fight Superman, and if there's one person who can pull strings to make that happen, I believe it's Dwayne Johnson. Uh, so <laughs> I, I definitely think like there's this one's going to be one of their. I think this will be in line with like their. Uh, I know it would be easy to say Thor, but I'm I'm thinking more like this could potentially be an Iron Man level, like going from who is that Black Adam, who's that, to being like. My mom knows who Black Adam is by yeah. the end of the year, you know. Yeah, and and that's the, that's the best uh, that's the best thing you could say about it. So, all right, yeah. moving on to the the Flash movie. Okay, after Ezra Miller chokeslam that lady, how did they? How did he run away from that story? <laughs> like, how did that happen? They got it's, away from that story quick as a motherfucker, boy. And not even that. It was just like before I could even really read or see what happened, like it was already starting to get sweeped up, you know, real <laughs> fast. Um, they must've hired the real flash to go through and uh, <laughs> run through and delete things. Dude, yeah, they, like, made, they made the real flash. They, they took a, um, ah, fuck. What's his name? The dude who can get little, the atom, the, the atom made the flash get really small and go into all the computers as an electric beam of light and, and delete all the files from all the computers. Ever. Oh man, I can't wait to see Adam's heist movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will say DC's got some some problems with their cast because also like Amber Heard on Aquaman. I have no idea Ooh. how that's still going, but dude, uh, her I, I digress. Her publicist um, is a superhero that could fight Black Adam. <laughs> short memories, man. Short, short <laughs> memories, I guess. Or they're banking on it. Uh, you know, with Flash, again, like, this is something where I'm such a big fan of the, of the Michael Keaton movies. And I already know this is not going to be what I want because what I want is impossible, which is, <laughs> you know, Michael Keaton, Batman three from 1995, which is impossible. You can't do that. It's, it's that's in my head, but I think whatever they do end up doing, like, it'll be cool. Like Michael Keaton's just a good actor period. And you know, like, I think they're going to try to get me to buy some more toys, which I will. And, you know, I hope it's a good movie. I think flashpoint was such a great story that's been done now in animated form. They did it on the TV show. My only mm-hmm. hope is that I like, I hope they find a new twist to it. I'm not saying you have to like completely abandon everything, but I hope there is something new that keeps me like on my toes a little bit. That's all I would say for that is like, again, I have not seen no way home. I'm not going to judge no way home at all. This is not a knock on no way home or a subtweet. All I'm saying is I just hope that flash doesn't think that, you got me in the door with Michael Keaton as Batman and 
that's all we had to do. Like, no, you got to do a little bit more than that, you know? Well, and I, for one, hope that uh, this will be my last thing on that before we move on to another couple things. Uh, I think I want him to be Thomas Wayne and for him, him he'll he'll be that your Batman you remember, but tainted in that fucked up way that, you know, he's Thomas Wayne and he's part of the Flashpoint thing. If they do that. I think we're cooking with gas because I think uh, that uh, Michael Keaton can act the fuck out of the the Thomas Wayne Batman of of Earth uh, eight fifty seven or whatever the fuck. That I mean, that's a beautiful. If they do that for sure, for sure, I'm down. If they kind of have it be like an older version, the one that we had and his Selena is dead or something like that, and they kind of soft pedal it. I won't like that as much. Uh, the the only thing that makes me think that there's something more to this is. I don't know why this made the news rounds the last couple of weeks as if we didn't know this for 15 years, but you know, Michael Keaton saying like, I, I had many meetings about Batman forever and I just creatively disagreed and I had to walk away from it because I just couldn't do it. So the fact that he would come back to Batman now makes me think that there's something creatively within this story that he feels he can mm. sink his teeth into, nice. which makes me think like, it can't just be as cut and dry as we think, you know? Yeah, I, I will. You know, I, I'm rooting for that on all levels. Make me uh, surprised that it's not Thomas Wayne. It's another, it's a conglomeration of those like Marvel does, you know, he's he's sort of yeah. an evil Batman that uses guns, but Selena's his partner and she uses guns too. And oh, oh, by the way, Michelle Pfeiffer's in this one. Uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, that sort of thing. So, okay. So that's what we have to say about that. Uh, the other things coming out from DC, obviously uh, Aquaman 2 uh and his uh i i gotta say man i hate to be i'm i'm not one of those i go if you want to go on the internet on youtube and find black guys that hate black guys you will find them <laughs> in the nerd sphere you will find them you will find them being like well you gotta change up all my characters why batman black that's whack and you know what i mean that they're, they're like got their poochie clothes on and they're just pointing at the camera you know and they're just really self-hating and shitty so I'm not trying to come off like one of those, but I fucking hate Black Manta, dude. I fucking hate Black Manta. They did no, they did, they did a, such a horrible job selling me on him. I can't stand it, man. I love Yahoo, you, Abdul Mateen. I love brothers going into the ocean. I like the whole thing about him being like basically his dad was a disgraced uh, Navy diver or something like that who had probably got shit on in the Navy, so he just used his skills and piracy and shit and passed the tradition down to his son. Oh, that's beautiful. That's 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 awesome stuff. That's that's great. But they just suck. They just suck, and they get beat up, and they put a big bulbous thing on the head, and they shoot laser beams, and the that whole character <laughs> sucks forever. I hate that character. So, like, I don't know what the fuck Aquaman two is going to be about besides political unrest, and then stupid Black Manta coming back to shoot eye beams at everybody and be mad. I I fucking I don't like Aquaman. I don't like I didn't like the other one. I thought it was a rollicking adventure. I thought it was a great rendition of Romancing the Stone as a as an Aquaman movie. I I don't I don't get this. I don't get all of this. I don't I see, get it. but that's the beauty because Aquaman is like top two or three of my DC movies. Like it's so bonkers that mm-hmm. I just can't help but just be glued to it. Like and it's so <laughs> self-aware of how dumb it is without poking fun at itself which is very hard to do like aquaman knows like 
yeah, this is dumb. There's a there's an octopus playing the drums. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> there's no Martha scene in this movie. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, but I think maybe that's why. Like, part I, I guess part of it comes back to like how I got into superheroes and DC in the first place, which was the Adam West Batman show. And mm-hmm. uh, the Super Friends cartoon, they would play that a lot in Cartoon Network. And that was kind of like my my gateway. That's how I learned who like um, like Green Lantern was and, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of these characters were. So to have, you know, at this point, I think, too, you have to remember, like Aquaman was coming off the heels of like some really heavy superhero movies, not even just DC, like mm-hmm. they just come off of like civil war over in Marvel, like, like some really heavy handed stuff was happening. And so here comes this movie that just to quote the great weird Al Yankovic dared to be stupid. And <laughs> it was, it was silly, but then it like, it had moments that really kind of did play for me. Like I, I know they won't play for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big dumb helmet, I was like, yeah, there's no way, Black Manta, there's no way to do that character in a cool, you know, leather X-Men 2000 suit. <laughs> like, you can't undumb this thing. So instead of running from it, mm-hmm. make the helmet bigger. And he did. There's literally a scene where he makes his big dumb helmet bigger. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, yes. Just embrace it. Embrace the big dumb helmet. And that's that's how I feel about Aquaman. It's an embrace of the big dumb helmet. You know what? I can respect that, but I'm just I just You don't need, have to agree. I need I just I need more from my black semen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Very low expectations for my <laughs> So, uh, so just grateful uh, to have it. That's all, <laughs> <laughs> dude. So basically, uh, that Aquaman to me, uh, like you said, Aquaman doesn't hit for me. I think because he's so Hellboy esque in that he's got this certain set of powers that he never gets hurt. He never gets he he's never gets close to being killed. He's just sort of if he, he can fall from fifty thousand feet. He can swim through anything. He can. He's just super because he's great because he's Aquaman. And on land, he can get thrown out of windows. Stuff. It's just like it just. What is he's just. He's as tough as he needs to be for any situation. Much in the same way that Superman or anybody is, which is great. That's a great power level for Aquaman. I love to see him leveled up to this guy who just. There's no consequences for anything that ever happens to him ever. That's great, but it's not compelling to me. You know what I mean? I just I, 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 I have no know. argument against what you're saying, <laughs> other than just it's like when it's like when I it's it's the perfect example of Aquaman is like when I eat a dessert, my wife is like, "This is too sweet," and I'm just like, "There's no such thing. It's dessert." <laughs> I you know, you know? <laughs> I I agree that you you've warmed you've gotten to my heart through my stomach. <laughs> uh, that that is the perfect way to explain it to me. You're absolutely right. Uh, so basically, okay, yeah, this this steak is too savory. <laughs> uh, so basically, all right, looking at the DC products that are out now, uh, the big one that I want to talk about with you about, because you've seen all the episodes, you probably jumped on them just like I did, but this damn Peacemaker, it's like it's doing both of the things that I think that we both, that we enjoy. 
with you, like you like you like some of the whimsical stuff and some of the like just go with it jazz. I like ultra violence, but I don't want the ultra violence to be too heavy. Boom! This show is made for us. Ultra violent, but not heavy. Funny has like do you know what this reminds me of? Uh I just had a conversation with Jeffrey Baldinger about this. Uh Cobra Kai is so watchable and is, has this sort of unlikable, barely aware of how uncool he is hero working through his problems while listening to hair metal. And it's like, yeah, that's a genre now, dude, because I officially love Cobra Kai and I love this. I love this, man. Which is funny because... You know, The Suicide Squad that came out this summer was a movie that a lot of people, uh, I think, just immediately loved because James Gunn was a part of it. And we're not talking Slither James Gunn. We're talking Guardians of the Galaxy James. This was like Mm -hmm. the Monday Night Wars of wrestling. This was Hulk Hogan (laughs) walked out of WWF and showed up in WCW. Now we got one of theirs on our team making stuff. (laughs) And I, I, I fully was like, well, if James Gunn's doing it, I already love it. And then I watched it. And it just didn't hit for me. I didn't like the Suicide Squad movie that came out this summer. I thought it was okay. Okay, so well, let's was, talk about that. Let's talk about that real yeah, yeah, yeah. quickly. Let's talk about that sure, real quickly. Sure. Because yeah. I was in that tribe too. Like the scene where they're shooting up all those people and then they're supposed to be like funny afterwards. I was like, I don't like this. Like, I, I don't know that I like this. I don't know that that was, that was so far to go. Some of their gags are so far to go for a gag. Some of the, uh, the choreography between all the shit. I didn't like how homeboy could just make a bunch of guns. I mean, sometimes it was cool and then sometimes it wasn't. I was finding myself like thinking it was cool one moment and thinking it was not cool another moment. It was just so up and down and kind of uneven in its James Gunniness, James Gunness. It just didn't work for me, so that's why I wasn't really looking that forward to pay, to Peacemaker. So Same. Like, yeah. When it like you know, three hours passed and I watched all of them, that surprised <laughs> the fuck out of me. I I always uh, I always say that liar liar is like Jim Carrey at his Jim Carreyest. Like mm-hmm. if you can you know like if you can stomach it, like that is Jim Carrey at his Carriest. And I felt like the Suicide Squad was James Gunn at his gunniest. Like mm. when I watched it, I was like. I I can I can feel like you trying to get some of the same reactions out of me from like Polka Dot Man as you did like over here like in Guardians of the Galaxy like I just kind of anticipated some of those James Gunn beats and mm-hmm. I think I didn't let them manipulate me and I don't mean that in a bad way because all film mm-hmm. is a emotional manipulation mm-hmm. and I just felt it was like some of this is just like weird because it's weird like. I, like the first like act and a half was like I don't even know what's happening. This is just like a bunch of just weird, bizarre things happening, and I guess it's like shocking, funny. But after a while, you're just like I, I don't know what's happening. So we, I was in the same boat as you. Peacemaker drops, uh, and I'm just like, I'll I'll get to it. I'm not, you know, like maybe I'll wait till it all uh, till it all drops. And then for whatever reason, I watched the pilot on uh, Saturday night. Um, and my wife was kind of doing something else and we, I watched it and she was kind of like half paying attention. Then it was over. She's like, what'd you think? I was like, 
I I liked it. I don't think anything happened, or at least I don't know what happened, but I still really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up watching the other two, and now we're both like, oh man, there's only three out. Like I need more. You know, like <laughs> it's been a while since I feel like I've watched a show where you know, it didn't drain me mentally or emotionally, but it also didn't like starve me mentally or emotionally either. You know, like watching as much as I love it. It wasn't like watching the office for four hours. Like we usually do, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, me and me and Ron just did an episode about uh, comfort, comfort TV. And the office is way up there on comfort TV. And we didn't mention it once, which is so weird, but I think we were just trying to like be different, but yeah, the office a lot of that mid that uh, mid two thousands NBC fair, pretty good stuff for just vegging the fuck. It's easy out. to just yeah, doom scroll while it's on in the background to kind of balance the light. <laughs> so to get so for Peacemaker to get my attention, you know, I think part of it is like I don't even love every part of Peacemaker, but it is so. I think John Cena is not the greatest actor in the world, but he's insanely watchable. Like mm-hmm. you almost can't look away watchable. Even like I had to turn the subtitles on because it's like you are talking so fast. I don't know what you're saying sometimes, <laughs> uh, but he's still like insanely watchable. And James Gunn has this way of making uh, really hateable characters somehow. Like how is John Cena uh you know, a, a hateable underdog, you know, like it's, it's very bizarre how he's able to twist you in those ways in a way that I felt like he didn't do for me in the suicide squad. Well, yeah. And in the suicide squad, I think I, but I think I gotta say, man, this is making me appreciate suicide squad more than I did, frankly, because when you first watch peacemaker, they have a little recap from what happened in suicide squad. And it even announces itself as, um, uh uh last scene on suicide squad like it's like a right. show so it's like that so this this heel turn or rather this face turn that uh that john cena is making as peacemaker here it's just about him i think discovering who he is and discover like over the course of time he's obviously been trained to be a killer by a a dude who is like an old racist you know military guy and he has gone from that to being I don't kill specific people. I just shoot guys and stuff to being a person who's like, Oh, you just shoot guys. Well, maybe you should think about why you're shooting guys. And so as he goes through each episode, trying to get more and more enlightened, that has this just palpable, like emotional effect on the, on the show for, for me. Like I get more and more involved in it as he gets more and more evolved as a person, or at least more, uh, self, like self-examining. The more he examines himself, like that scene where he thinks about how he doesn't have any friends and he sucks, it's just so moving. <laughs> and then they just cut it instantly. But it's so moving in the moment where he's really realizing. I actually thought one of the most powerful scenes so far, which is bizarre because you as the audience member, it's it's when he's a he's he's about to assassinate the senator and his family and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to take out the kids and then you as the audience member and i think even him as the character like you know that's not a human like literally Mern says like nope they are butterflies do it mm-hmm. and he just can't do it and the other guy vigilante shoots it mm-hmm. and for some reason those four or three or four shots that he takes and he's like 
Papa Bear down or whatever. Like it's like I just felt like sick to my stomach and I knew that they weren't even like people anymore. Mm-hmm. But the way that it's shot and the way that that uh Peacemaker kind of like reacts to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I guess that's like the kind of character growth that it, not only did I not see from Peacemaker in Suicide Squad, I feel like I didn't get that from anybody in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's what I was this is kind of more what I was hoping for in that movie. But of course you have however many episodes Peacemaker is to tell this story as opposed to two hours, you know? Oh yeah. And I think, I think suicide, I think I just, you know what it is? I think it's one of those times when like Eddie Van Halen could go to the, the pops orchestra and start jamming out with them and do a reasonably good job of keeping up with whatever they're doing. And it'd be probably pretty cool, I guess. But there's, I think there's certain times when you need to be playing your instrument where you're supposed to be playing your instrument. And I just think James Gunn might be the best TV series for a premium network director I've ever seen in my life, bro. These scripts are great. These scripts are fucking fantastic. And the ways that he's showing all the action, the action choreography, you can see that it's not movie level, but it's still good. It's still really good. Like when he's fighting that butterfly lady, that was some hardcore shit, dude. She was chokeslamming that fool naked, you know, and stabbing him all over his body, basically, and all this kind of shit. And just and just that that scene uh, at the end of that second episode where he's like, he takes the whole episode to jump down a building and he keeps slamming his body against the, the different stuff. And he's getting tired and tired the whole time. There's just a lot of funny shit to that type of thing, like showing uh showing him uh he's trying to leave the building but he has to grab up some of the ladies records and steal some stuff and steal this and steal that because he's peacemaker you know he's seeing an opportunity he's got he's got a bunch of rat records he needs to get right now you know what i mean even in the middle of a mission little stuff like that i think that rings more true to a character than some of the more bizarre out of left field stuff that was in suicide squad if that makes sense no totally i th- i think like you said like we spent almost half of the second episode just getting out of the cliffhanger from the first episode. (laughs) Like it's got time. It's got plenty of time. And I think also, you know, to like tie this back to the conversation we were having at the beginning, like there never was a moment in Peacemaker where I was like, but that contradicts what I know of the DC universe. Like it doesn't matter. You know, like I Mm -hmm. think, I think this show has been afforded the luxury of just like, yeah, I know who Batmite is in this world. I don't know if this is in the same world as everything else. I I implore you to not spend too much time thinking about it, which is mm-hmm. kind of what I wish. Like, you know, I wish like to a certain extent in the Marvel shows, like I love in Iron Man too, they recast Rhodey and he's just like, yeah, I'm here. Deal with it. Like that slight mm-hmm. breaking of the fourth wall. I kind of wish Kingpin would just been like, yeah, I'm kind of the same character from Daredevil. Don't worry about it. And then <laughs> went on with the episode. Like I, I love that Peacemaker can be in this DC world, but not be like handcuffed to it, you know? Yeah. I and and uh I think uh the the best part about this whole thing is I think the characters that uh I keep I keep hearing that thing, Billy. Damn it. Uh, Dude, I I haven't had an ice maker in like four or five months because we just got a new fridge. 
I put I, I put ice in milk, dude. I put ice in everything now. <laughs> well, chill out, Bobby Drake. I'm trying to fucking do this shit here. <laughs> I apologize. I didn't mean to ruin your pontificating with my. <laughs> Dude, it's like it's like you're doing this for like two hours, and this is the, I don't know if you can see how many like full cubes are still in here. <laughs> I'm trying to make a speech, and you're shaking the maracas. Oh, the fuck! <laughs> but but uh, I gotta say, hydrate. I gotta say, hydrate. <laughs> yeah, this podcast is a rough game. <laughs> This is as much exercise as I get. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, like an Eye of the Tiger plan while you're podcasting. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, yeah. At least I don't break a sweat in this room like I did at the at the other place. Uh, oh, dude, anyway. when we finally get back to reboot it, we, we really need to fucking utilize that that aspect. I know, right? Because, oh, boy, the, the, every, every other way we've done reboot it has been sweaty for you. <laughs> from so the, when we were doing it live just just, <laughs> just swamp crotch every episode <laughs> just have to shower it's like oh it's, it's wednesday it's reboot at night i'm gonna shower at midnight i guess <laughs> okay now please make your very scientific uh, theoretical point <laughs> oh god well i mean i think the the best thing about the show is it embraces the fact that this is um, C-tier DC Universe. And they've established that these guys, this is the shittiest HQ I've ever gotten. This is the shittiest assignment and all this kind of stuff. But then we reveal that uh, one of the characters is is embedded and in, in way deep in there. And is basically Amanda Waller's contact for the whole mission. So maybe this mission is bigger than we even thought it was. And then, we, and then towards the end of the third episode, we find out that, yeah... This mission is a motherfucker because there's a bunch of these alien people who have basically scrolled their way into society and Peacemaker's going to have as many episodes as possible for, you know, to kill all these guys or to abate this threat. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, lo- I love that aspect of it, that it's a real series. It looks like a real, it could be a real long series or 12 issue maxi series or six episodes or whatever. It could be anything. They've set up the stakes for almost anything. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's Waller's daughter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's just interesting in in and of itself that Waller has a daughter that's the polar opposite personality mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Amanda Waller. Like that's pretty cool. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, at the end of the third episode, like way at the end, uh, like with 30 seconds left, they had like that little preview of the rest of the season. And it just seems like it's just like this big, big story, um, but in the smallest part of the DC universe, which is just really cool. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to the journey without trying to figure out how this goes into like, oh, does this have ties like into the next Suicide Squad or well, the Mm -hmm. Batman? Who cares? Like, this is just what it is. And I kind of I hope that's the way it is. Like keep the Batman that way, keep Batgirl that way. When it comes out, like I think peacemaker is the perfect example of like, you know, I think DC took the wrong lessons from Marvel, which is people only care about these Marvel movies because they all connect to each other. And Mm. I think they paid the price for taking the wrong lesson 
I hope that the, I, I don't know what the streaming numbers are for Peacemaker, but I hope the lesson now is people will invest in the characters that we invest into ourselves. And I, and mm. it doesn't matter if it connects or not, as long as we make the characters something that people can latch on to, then we've got something going there. I kind of hope that's the takeaway. I don't know if it will be because on, on the flip side, like, I, I think they see what happened with No Way Home, and I think we're now going to enter into the era of just like, remember this, remember that, we're bringing it back, you know? So I hope DC mm. doesn't try for a second time to learn the wrong lesson from a Marvel thing. Well, I mean, the last I'll say about it is the concept is rooting for DC. And I think when you put out stuff like Peacemaker and to a lesser extent, Suicide Squad and to a way lesser, in my personal opinion, but a uh, 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 thing like the Joker, you signal to the it's like how in the Marvel Universe, we've signaled to the Celestials that we're ready for a new level of combat. <laughs> and we've signaled to all of the Chitauri or wherever that we're ready to really rock and roll. So we're got the Earth's going to be inundated. I think DC has shot up a flare to the to the universe that says we are the home of all we're the actual house of ideas. They're not the house of ideas anymore. We're the house of ideas. We will do something about anything. We'll actually do a murder movie with Batman in it, or or or, or we'll do a ancient Egyptian historical picture with fucking Black Adam in it. You know, we'll we'll do all this weird shit. We don't give a fuck, bro. We're crazy. Like DC comes into the party and rips its shirt off. You know what I mean? So threatening. <laughs> So threatening. I will make a sword and sandal movie. You don't think I will? <laughs> exactly. And and I, I find that to be I'm really I'm really down with that. And I'm really kind of proud of them for embracing all the way what they do the best. While also, I gotta say, these last few moves they've made have seemed just have seemed a little bit more slightly corporate and unified than some of the other ones. So it's like if they use half of the corporate synergy that Disney does and uses their present amount of of creator autonomy. I think that's a that's you got yourself a stew with that, baby. You know what I'm saying? You you got yourself a stew with that. I think you could have a cohesive DC universe that was that isn't so strict like Marvel's, but you know, Wonder Woman wandering into the Blue Beetle movie could be fun. You know, it doesn't really it, – it doesn't have to break the bank. It doesn't have to be, right. break the cosmos every time these people encounter each other. Have a cohesive universe, but yeah, don't have anybody asking why doesn't somebody help Blue Beetle. He's fucking Blue Beetle. He has to have a Blue Beetle adventure for Christ's sake. Booster Gold could help him. Fuck off. You know, these <laughs> these people have their own adventures for Christ's sake. You know, I, I, I think they're they're right on par to be really competing. Like really competing and being a real viable alternative to a sort of kitty consciousness that's kind of going on for a lot of Marvel stuff. Not by by no means all, but a lot of Marvel stuff is just trying not to ruffle your feathers. You know, a lot of Marvel stuff is just trying to be there for you, buddy. I'm a nice little faithful entertainment thing, man. I'm here for you. And DC's like, if you come in here, you have to sign this waiver because we might fuck you up. We, we might do patrol your ass if you come in here. We, we, you know, we might joker your ass if you come in here. You know what I mean? And I like that. I'm really starting to really think that that's great. I mean, I, I to be to be clear, like, of course I'm rooting for DC. I mean, look at, look at the thing on my couch. Look at all my toys. Like, <laughs> 
I I don't understand. I, I guess I, get, I I will never understand rooting against something. Right. Like, right. You know, like I, of course I I want I want Batman movies to be great. I want Iron Man movies to be great. I never want to go see a movie that I think is going to suck. Um, I do think that Marvel very wisely has trained their audience to expect something, uh, whether they know it or not, watching a Marvel movie. And I think. And again, a million people have told me I'm wrong, but I do think that that's part of why Eternals kind of was a little bit of a swing and a miss for a lot of for a lot of Marvel fans was because they dared to try to go even a little bit outside of the lines. Like Mm -hmm. if if there are 20 Marvelisms you have to do in every movie and Eternals only did 10 of them, I think people noticed and I think mm-hmm. it, it didn't feel like a Marvel movie, and I don't think that that's what a lot of people want. And I think with DC, I just appreciate that that expectation isn't there. Granted, I know if I go to a Marvel movie, kind of what I'm going to get, and I nine times out of ten will not be disappointed walking out of a theater. Whereas DC, it is a crapshoot, but at least like there's a little bit of that that adventure of just like what is it going to be today, DC? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, are you Mm -hmm. giving me Batman v Superman? Are you giving me Aquaman? Like the Mm -hmm. fact that those are both quote unquote in the same universe is mind boggling because they couldn't be any more different. But ultimately I want every movie to be good. There's no reason. Why can't I love Marvel and DC? I guess you can't because internet, but I, I don't, I don't want anything to, to fail. I just want DC to to have their day in the sun marvel's had their day in the sun for like 15 years now like let's just mm-hmm. let's, let's have dc have it for just like a month you know dc's been pr- paying the price of being like sega remember how sega used to have everything that nintendo had way before nintendo but for some reason it was like nintendo would just watch sega do the beta testing and go all right here's my edition it's like oh fuck your edition is so much cooler yeah, because I used your first draft, and then I just threw some extra bangles on it, and now I'm the best, so eat a dick. And then Sega was like, well, fuck you. Now my shit's got 64 bits. And it's like, yeah, but you got to load discs into this shit. Check out my 64-bit thing that has these cool cartridges. You know, it's like they would always use Sega to just just be like, well, that, you tried that, but now we'll refine it. Marvel's been doing that to DC for a while, I feel. And now I think DC's finally on the bleeding edge, which is like really making that, that difference – and each of their products work for them. Like, this is different from this other thing. That's a virtue. Understand, audience, that it's a virtue. Say that it's a virtue. Yes, that is a virtue. You know what I mean? They're, they're training us to understand that it's better to have these things be different from each other. And I think Marvel is probably trying to get on that train. Watch Blade not be like anything else. Watch yeah. M- Multiverse of Madness not be like any other Marvel movie. Frankly, Far From Home was, was very unlike any uh, not far from home uh no way home was very unlike any other marvel movie to me it was it had a lot of marvelisms yeah but i think they're creeping into that dc territory so maybe we're gonna have an arms race of well you who could be more different and maybe that'll be the the superhero golden age that we're looking for you know what i mean i know you're i know you're wrapping up but i will say dc if you want my unsolicited advice on where to start in terms of uh you know, maybe finding your success, look at Peacemaker uh, as a template. Maybe HBO Max is where you carve out kind of your niche. Like I know Disney has their Disney mm-hmm. Plus shows, that, but those all tie into the movies. 
And what I'm saying is maybe start having be HBO Max be the true home of DC. And sure, there's an Aquaman movie in theaters and Black Adam mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I would say like just keep digging the mine of like the Peacemaker stuff because eventually like those will be household names. No one ever thought Iron Man would be a household name. Like find your Iron Man. You're really, really close. And I think you can start looking and start exploring and start doing a lot of cool stuff on HBO Max. Like you have this tool that is in so many homes and it's not, uh, it's not bound like the way that Disney Plus is, where Disney mm-hmm. Plus can only go so far with some of these. I'm curious to see Moon Knight because it's like you can only take that so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with HBO, you could have anything that's super like kid friendly or ridiculous, all the way up to like very, very, very mm-hmm. dark, darker than any can go. So use HBO Max to your advantage. Use what you have to your advantage instead of looking over your shoulder run your race don't worry about what anyone else is doing that's what i hope they do well said billy so uh i know that you don't really do your pod anymore and i know that we have commute killers coming down sometime in 2024 so and reboot it sometime in 2023 so um like uh anything you want to uh plug or any uh social media or anything like that no i i'm just uh just just happy to be talking to you man (laughs) <laughs> well dude i am really happy to be talking to you man and i and i hope that we'll do it uh, let me get more. one more oh god damn the maracas are back ricky ricardo is in the fucking house <laughs> babalu <laughs> i guess i could i could plug my new fridge like it's, it's a bosh it's great <laughs> Like, like, fuck Peacemaker. I've got an ice maker, and it is everything I was waiting for. <laughs> the best. Uh, but uh, until until next time, thank you guys for supporting the show. Thank you guys for jumping on our Patreon. And uh, it really it really has been a uh, guiding light through all the, these pandemic times to be able to make this stuff for you guys. So thank you so much for listening to another peacemaking, risk-taking, heartbreaking episode of the greatest pod